Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey Greasers, hello, happy Boxing Day, uh, happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, happy dark winter festive Yuletide, however you celebrate it. I hope that wherever you are listening in the world that yesterday, if it was Christmas Day for you yesterday, I hope it was okay, I hope you got through it alright and I just want to say we did it, we're here, we're at Boxing Day, it's like anniversaries, you know, like once you've just done the day you can just relax and just think right I don't have to worry about that for another year and we can all just sit in our pajamas watching Netflix and eating limp balls I hope you can eat limp balls if you can't eat limp balls I'm really sorry I feel very sorry for you if you can't eat limp balls god do they do vegan limp balls I hope they do thank you for listening uh, if you listened to last week's episode you will know that this week is also a compilation you are listening to now that's what I call Griefcast part two Last week we covered uh, sort of episodes from about 2017 and this week we're going to cover most episodes from uh, this year, 2018, I think. Just going back and I know there's so many episodes so we're just choosing some of our favourite clips and also some Twitter requests we had for some of the clips as well. Um, just so you can have a little sneak listen to them all and not have to have hear a really intense conversation this week. Just hopefully some funny stories and some uh, poignant ones as ever. This is the last episode of 2018 and I just want to say, you know, we're actually going to take a break in January as well. Um, 
I, I hope that's okay. <laughs> I, wor- I worry. I hope that's okay. Um, I just, I need a break, basically. Um, so we will be back in February with brand new episodes from amazing, amazing people. But, you know, as I said, there are now, this is the 65th episode. So if you hadn't listened to them all, please feel free over January to go back and listen to them. And I want to say, if you didn't listen to last week, you would have missed me saying thank you. So I want to say it again. Thank you so, so much. If you have listened to this show or tweeted about it or Instagrammed about it or even just plain old told your friends about it, I couldn't do this without you. And I am so, so grateful and overwhelmed that this year we've had of the amazing awards and the amazing support um, and the amazing emails I still get. And I know I haven't replied to them all. I'm so sorry if you haven't had a reply from me yet. I'm, I'm working on it. But thank you because if it wasn't for you, Um, being willing to listen to conversations about grief and talk about it and share it and show people that it's not something that has to be avoided we I wouldn't be able to make this show and I really do love doing it so thank you and here is your present (laughs) it's some it's some clips from past shows First up, we had a request on Twitter from at Leonie Kamen. Leonie wanted to hear the clip of writer and podcaster Sophie Black. Um, Sophie has her own podcast, amazing parenting and comedy podcast called The Trapdoor. Um, Sophie came in to talk to us about her mum who died. And in this clip, she was talking about loneliness and how some people really get it wrong when they're trying to comfort you about that. The next clip you'll hear, I I can't even tell you how many requests I had for anything from this episode. So if you haven't listened to the full Robert Popper episode, I really recommend you do. For me, it is, it really is the spirit of Griefcast because it is hilariously funny and hilariously poignant and painful at exactly the same time. It is a, you know, Robert is an incredible, credible, funny comedy writer, brilliant genius man. And he came in to talk to me about his grandma. And this was the most requested clip, which is, um, I'm not going to ruin it for you, just just listen. And then after that, we had a request on Twitter from at Rosie Toomey. Toomey. Uh, she requested to hear the incredible powerhouse that is Deborah Francis White from The Guilty Feminist. Uh, Deborah Francis White is Australian and she was travelling back to Australia to, um, she knew her dad was dying. And she tells here about what I think might be one of the worst and most stressful journeys home we've had on the show. Enjoy. Have you had counselling since then? I was already seeing Thank a very, yeah. very good therapist. Oh, wow. Because that's a, that's a lot that to do with. That was quite hardcore. Yeah. But, you know, this is the thing about the whole thing, really, is that, you know, that time in my life, I was, you know, dicking about in crappy relationships and I was kind of coasting a bit with work mm. and I didn't quite know what I would you know I was just sort of take anything that just landed in my yeah. literally anything that landed in my lap <laughs> I would do oh, anything we've all been there yeah yeah this or do they yeah. they seem to know what they're doing they, they so so might as well yeah yeah and um you never know you never know <laughs> it's a great way to start yes, isn't, it? isn't it exactly so I was doing a lot of that kind of stuff and then this point was just like, it was, I, 
it made oh it sounds very bleak but it was an important bleak like I felt so alone yeah you know what with the breakdown in my relationship with my brother oh God, you know yeah. it was great to have my have my dad and my stepmom around who were amazing but again they weren't feeling what I was feeling yeah. and you know but that's the thing we I've learned from the show that grief makes you literally chemically makes you feel isolated yeah yeah so you feel just like no one gets it yeah. and even when people are like I get it you're like you don't you don't, yeah. you don't. and I didn't realise that, that that is what grief is yeah. is you feel the most alone in the yeah, world yeah yeah but it took because I was just like, oh, I just felt really lonely and it was really shit. Yeah, and like it was just to know, like, no, that's just what it no, is. That's what it is. It's so you like, can, and you can feel lonely with other people. Yeah, you know, you can, yeah, that's I, the process. I do remember being when she, when she was really ill. So that sort of autumn, I was seeing someone who was just completely dysfunctional, whatever, a crappy relationship. But he, I remember feeling that even when she was ill, sort of feeling that. I knew she was going to die and mm. everyone was saying things like, oh, well, um, I know someone who had oh, uh, advanced stage four cancer and they lived for eight years. And you're like, well, right. good for them, good for but them. I'm allowed to feel shit about this yeah. because likely it is. She's not going to live for eight years. And I remember just feeling very frustrated and saying to this guy, you know, I just feel, you know, so alone. Like no one understands that this is what's mm. going to happen. And, you know, I just feel so alone. And Will no one sort of admit that to me and no one kind of just you know and I remember him hugging me and going you are so alone (laughs) (laughs) I remember thinking oh it's not quite what I mean (laughs) thanks fucker yeah thanks like what thanks oh thanks whispered into your ear whispered into my ear in bed you are so (laughs) alone it's like yeah. a seat that is a I mean, I've had that written in my notebook for ages. But yeah, because it's so bleak, isn't it? It's so bleak. So bleak and it's so, so misjudged. It's so misjudged that he thought that's what you wanted. He thought that I wanted. Because he was... Because you had one said thing no he was sure me. There was that he wasn't on my... <laughs> he wasn't on my side. Yeah, dude. What yeah. about you? Yeah. I was sort of hoping on. you'd go, yeah. you're, not, you're alone. not alone. You're I'm not alone. You're not You feel alone, but yeah. you're not. No. It's just how you feel. And yeah. I am here. No, you are. Tip, listeners. If someone says that to you, they're asking you they to reassure you them that they're not that they're not alone. Yeah, that this is just yeah. a phase, a process. They'll get through it. Really funny. That's incredible, it's bad, isn't it? I think that might be the worst thing I've ever heard of. Yes, hey, <laughs> almost, almost. That's up there. With like, what made you think that was yeah, a good idea? What made you think? Probably he thought. Ooh. She's. I'm. I'm trying to empathise, but yeah, yeah this, in is, this is empathising, agreeing with what yeah, she's agreeing, saying. Yeah, agreeing. Yeah, I've agreed with her. She can't you be annoyed. Totally alone. <laughs> <laughs> but that was oh hilarious. Yeah. So, but actually, it, I did feel very alone. Cause I, had to, I had to clear her house. We lived oh. in for thirty years on my own. And so your brother had to stay, and he was working. So my brother had kids, was working oh. in the states, and our relationship kind of slowly spiralled. And just, we were coming at it from very mm. different points of view. We weren't used to not getting on because yeah. we've always been so close. And it was the most painful aspect of so that. Hard. It was a Christmas where, like, so Jewish people, funny thing, they often just celebrate Christmas because yeah. you're not meant to, but we weren't <laughs> religious and that's what we do. So we had Christmas dinner at my auntie's house. My grandma, like, had a, like, coughing fit. And she wasn't breathing well, like some asthma thing. And we called an ambulance and she went in the ambulance and we were all like worried and we drove off the ambulance. And 
she was on a stretcher, like going in the, in the hospital, and we were following her, and she had an oxygen mask on her mouth, on her face, and she was clutching a handbag, and they were just, you know, they gently tried to take her handbag off, yeah. and she was like, no, no way, <laughs> yeah. you take my handbag, yeah. And it's just perfect timing. And uh, we're walking down the wards, and they're pushing her, you know, far. She's an old woman, she can't breathe. I mean, she was fine in the end. Yeah. Pushing her along, and had the oxygen mask on her. And uh, I was well, I said, Don't worry, Grandma, you'll be okay, you'll be okay. And she took her oxygen mask for a second, put her hands into her handbag, and said to me, Would you like a yogurt? And took out a yogurt. Because <laughs> she remembered at that moment, I've been keeping a yogurt for Robert. I must give him that. And she took out like a ski strawberry yogurt. Um, and they instantly put it back in a bag and just put the oxygen mask in. Would you like a yogurt? That was what was in her head while she sort of effectively maybe dying. Oh my God. What did you say? Uh, it just uh, was like yeah. open mouth and thought, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. yeah Would you yeah. like a yogurt? Uh, Would you like a yogurt? You couldn't write that. I mean, I nicked that line as well on my show. It was perfect. But yeah, it's almost that thing of like, if you put it in the show, someone would be like, that would never yeah. happen. You're like, it, and it did. did. An even more extreme version. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like a yogurt? <laughs> now. No. So, um, Imagine I just then said, oh, yes. Yeah. And then just ate a yogurt. <laughs> there. Just with a spoon. Oh, yeah, actually. Thank you, Grandma. Mm, I'll actually, see you in a bit. Let me know how it goes. That's what I want. <laughs> oh, is it strawberry? Mm. Yes, please. So how old was she when she She's died? She's 92. Wow. Yeah, she did quite well. That's amazing. Yeah. I got on this flight. My friends, I remember my friends coming together that morning for breakfast and coming around to sort of see me. And um, I was I was sobbing and I remember saying to everyone, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they were like, don't be ridiculous. But yeah. I was just like, you know, really, really sort of slightly falling apart. And I got on the plane. I was in the middle seat. Oh, and that's the worst. That's already was, the worst. There was this sort of man spreader on one side. Oh. And on the other side, there was a woman who was slightly kind of, you know, and I just said to her, I just thought, I'm just going to prepare. Yeah. And I just turned to her and I just said, um, look, I, I just, I'm just telling you this because I, you know. I, I, I might start weeping. Yeah. I, yeah, I said, I, I might be crying a lot on this flight. And I, I just, I just need to let you know that because um, my father's dying and I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. So, yeah, kind of, I'm really sorry. I don't want to be... Yeah. Inexplicably weeping. And she just went, and she turned away. And no! she didn't say a single word. You're joking. She didn't say, I'm sorry about that. I'll never forget it. I was just, or, okay, you know, understood or anything. I am so angry that I wasn't that woman and I couldn't have been on that seat and gone, like, or just somebody nice. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Do you want to swap seats? And is there anything I can do? Like, mm. You just, just some, need, just some, some element of niceness. Sympathetic response. It was awful. What? Why was she so cross with you? But, like, what did she think? Oh, now I have to sit next to a crying woman. Like, I guess so. I guess so. What? so. Like, it doesn't but, affect your flight. Put your headphones on, watch a film. Like, I know, I know. It was just, it was such oh an extraordinary God. response. I mean, we talk about and, this a lot on the show. Like, people react so weirdly to death. Like, it makes th- yeah, people... I get you. Just don't know what to say, they, so you, yeah, they just withdraw. They, they don't know what to say, or but, you know, they just act but just so sort of, strangely. I'm sorry. Just yeah, say I'm sorry for your loss and put your headphones in. You know, sort of thing. Just like, go, just oh, something. That's awful. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to hear that. Absolutely fine. You know, that yeah, you weren't asking for like. No, no, can we I was just, It was like, honestly just an in, information because yeah, yeah. if I was sitting at someone who was weeping uncontrollably, I'd just sort of be like, "What's going on?" Yeah. So if you if you're informed, you think, "Okay, well that's understandable." Yeah. Um, anyway, I hadn't slept at this point because I hadn't really slept the night before yeah, when I found out yeah. about the stroke and I hadn't slept at all really that night. I think I'd been woken up at 
I don't know, maybe it was, it was two or something. Mm. So I hadn't slept all of that night. So I hadn't slept 48 hours oh and I wasn't going to sleep for another 24 on this flight. Yeah. And I thought, you know, at, at the about the 72-hour mark, you start to go a bit mad. Yeah. And so, and also I was in deep, deep grief. And I just couldn't, I couldn't sleep and I felt like I was going a bit mad. Mm. And I kept the whole time, every single hour that went by, I was like, is he dead now? Is he is he dead now? Is he is he with us now? Is he dead now? On a plane. And it was it was um my phone didn't work on the plane. Yeah, of course, yeah. And the first leg is like, I don't know what it was, seventeen hours or twelve hours or something. It was a long leg. So there was no way of knowing, minute to minute, was he still with us? And as the unhelpful nurse Laurie had told me that mm. he wouldn't be, I kept thinking, he's probably dead now. Or is he still alive? No, he's probably waiting for me. They've told him. And my mother had said, we've told him you're coming. We've told him you're coming. Yeah. He'll wait. Like, he couldn't speak at this point. But they could. They, they said the hearing is the last thing to go. Mm. And so he knew I was coming. So I thought maybe he'll wait, maybe he'll wait. But the whole time, it was like torture. Yeah. And at one point, I just went, if I don't sleep soon... I'm going to really lose it and yeah. I'm on this flight. So I just went to the flight attendant and I said, look, and I'd seen when I came in the business class was basically empty. So I said, is there any chance I could just lie down for an hour? Because I think if I get an hour's sleep, I'm going to be all right. Yeah. Um, and they said, no, I'm afraid you can't. And I said, look, I don't want any business class service. I don't want anything like that. I'll pay to do it. Mm. I just I just need to lie down for an hour. I've just, I've hit a wall and I can't sleep and I'm crying the whole time. And they could see, like, I wasn't trying it on. Yeah. Like, I looked really, really distressed. And I'd obviously been crying for hours. And they were just did that thing of, um, you know, that voice of, and we're incredibly happy to tell you that that's not possible. <laughs> oh, my God. And I was so, just like, what so am I still, going to they do? they said no? No. And then oh God, about, the worst plane ever. about six hours later, I thought I really felt like I was yeah. losing it. And I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So, because that's so like to not know to consistently not to consistently not know, and I hadn't slept for so long. Complete torture because all you want to do is know. You want some. I can't. It's like your life is on pause for seventeen hours, and then another, you know, another twelve, whatever. And I thought, well, when I arrive in Singapore, I can I can at least phone and find out at that halfway point. But I was still there, and it was it was hours and hours, and I was so like I was delirious. Yeah, of course. And I went into the loo. And so this is this is 2003, so it's two years after 9-11. Yeah. Everything, the security is so high. Everyone's yeah, still course. on extremely high alert about mm. planes. There's, a, there's anxiety that everyone had about planes at that point. Mm. It's hard to really remember that now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I went into the loo and they had drawers of supplies. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. Those, those sort of drawers of toothbrushes and stuff. And there was a whole drawer of razors, like shaving razors. And... I just looked at that and thought, like, anybody could pull these razors out, (laughs) tape them together and make a kind of box cutter. Yeah. So I just thought, I knew I was going to lose it. I was so close to delirium, but I wasn't quite there. So I thought, I'm going to, you know, if you act crazy before you are crazy, you're in control of it. (laughs) Yes. So I just came out and I thought, I'm going, I have to lie down now or I'm going to actually die or not die. I have to lie down or I'm going to go insane. And then we're really in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So I came out and I said really loudly at, to this flight attendant down, why are there all these razors in here? This is so dangerous. There could be a terrorist attack. Someone could use these for a terrorist attack. And the thing is, in 2003, if oh, you shouted terrorist attack was, on a plane, yeah. you would be upgraded into business class in 45 <laughs> seconds. Which you were, oh, yeah, they, oh, they, they took me. They immediately took me to business class oh and God. they let me sleep for the rest of the flight.
that was Deborah Francis White from the incredible Guilty Feminist podcast. She has a book out as well called Guilty Feminist. So if you haven't read that or listened to the podcast, I can't recommend it enough. It's incredibly, uh, yeah, empowering and brilliant. We've got three more clips coming up from um, some of our favourite moments from 2018 shows. First up, you're going to hear comedian Michael Legg. Uh, Michael Legg came in to talk to me about his dog, Jerk. And I know I often get tweets from people saying that they can't quite believe how much they're grieving for an animal. So if that's you or you know someone, this is a really good episode to listen to. But here is um, Michael. You'll hear Michael talking about Jerk and the holiday romance they had. This was requested on Twitter by at Hannah Wallace. So Hannah, this view. After Michael, you'll be hearing the illustrator Gary Andrews. You might know him as the sort of, he does Doodle a Day, uh, Widower's Diary on Twitter. This was requested by at Freya Hedgewitch. I hope I'm saying that right, Freya. Um, Gary was actually the first widower we had come on. I know lots of you would like more of that. I am, I am, <laughs> it sounds weird, but I am trying to find more grief stories that we can all relate to. Um, Gary is an incredible man and his wife died of sepsis, I mean, literally just over a year ago. And this was a really moving episode. Uh, and in this clip, you'll hear him telling how he told his kids that their mum had died, um, his amazing wife, Joy. After Gary, you're going to hear stand-up comedian Susie Ruffle. Uh, Susie came onto the show to talk to us about her brilliant nan. It's a, such a nice episode, but this was, um, yeah, a bit of a spooky moment that Susie had with after her nan had died, which still gives me goosebumps. So enjoy. Jack and I had plans. Yeah, we had plans that never happened. It's, it's true. I mean, a week before she died, no, two weeks before she died. I booked a holiday before me and Joe. We've gone to Log Cabin in Farnham, in the middle of the woods in Farnham. Did you go or did you I cancel? Went. Did you go? Yeah. How was it? Um, well, that's, I've not thought about this until right now. I think I got through it because of another dog. <laughs> when, as, soon as, as soon as I arrived, this massive dog, of, what are they called, Riesler? Ries- oh yeah, yeah, yeah Riz- Riz- not Rizzlers. No, no, because I know, I know a, a Riesler dog called Rizzler. Oh, That's okay. why I always have to go. No, what's the right word? Because <laughs> yeah. I know Rizzler. Yeah. Now is Rizzler Rizzler or is it called Rizzler and Rizzler, it's a Rizzler? Rizzler. Anyway, this dog was Rizzler, and and I went, oh, you've got a lovely dog, and they knew that I was supposed to be there with the dog, and they're like, oh yeah, she's been here like for two months. I was like, oh, right. um, what age? Your normal dog questions. Yeah, normal dog questions, yeah, yeah. So, um, all right, yeah, uh, what happened was, someone was staying in one of the log cabins, it was a couple, and this was her dog, and they split up while there. <gasps> and, I went, oh. and, and I went, and they abandoned the dog? Yeah. Went, yeah. God. And then I was all of a sudden just wanted to spend time with this dog, just went, well, look, this is... T- that dog was a happy, happy dog, and I don't know who that couple were, but that dog is way happier. Trust me. Way better off without them. Way better yeah, off than yeah. those two idiots. How could you um, leave a dog in a? Oh, that's abs- like leaving your your entire clothes. Yeah. Like, why would you just yeah, be like? It's well, it's, we split up, so the dog has to stay here. It's nuts, and you know what? They, the people who work there, love that dog. So that dog's having a really happy life. Yeah, so it worked out. Yeah, so, yeah, so you then hung out with that so, dog? Yeah, for a couple of days, you know. But I hadn't really thought about that before. Yeah. I like to think there's a dog network. Yeah. And the dog network went, beep, 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 beep. Please well, go to Michael Legg and follow him. Well, it was in the log cabin. Um, I, I went to this log cabin at, at Halloween. Wow. In the middle of not fuck nowhere. 
And uh, yeah, and me and this dog, it's terrible, I can't remember the dog's name because it's a lovely dog. We uh, watched um, Friday the 13th again. <laughs> Is you had a holiday romance? I guess I did. I had a little fling, and you can't even remember her name. You can't remember her name. I was heartbroken at the time, and I needed someone. She was on the rebound. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what? (laughs) So you both found each other. It's perfect. She wasn't looking for a long term. Yeah. One thing led to another. We watched Friday the Thirteenth, and she was settled. She wasn't looking for anything, but she just, you know, she's still unsure about stuff, and you were heartbroken. Exactly. That's a good match. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe that's how you go for it. You just need a little fling. Just I, need a little yeah. fling. I, I can see that. Um, yeah. That's the thing. When I think when people say, "Oh, you're going to get another dog," well, they don't. Mm. They don't understand the process that you have yeah. to go through. But I think what you've acknowledged is it's important to spend time with other dogs. When I left the log cabin in Farnham, there was no sort of like. Yeah, it was well, holiday uh, romance. Right. It was like, see ya. That's the great thing about some yeah. dogs. Some dogs get it. They're like, yeah. sure, sure, buddy. Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm who you see for now. I'm not looking for anything else. Yeah. Hey, there's some uh, sequels to that very picture. <laughs> yes, there, there are. Well, we'll get through them maybe one day. See you next Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's good. So you've you still went on holiday. I think that's yeah. nice. So you didn't cancel it. Yeah. Well, Joke and I had been to this log cabin twice before. You know, and it was great. So it, was that hard though? Did you feel like memories of her? Or? Yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean. I just felt like, well, you know, I should, I, I just go anyway. Yeah. And I just, I, I didn't really think that it was going to be emotional or anything whenever I went there. It, it weirdly, it wasn't emotional being in the log cabin, and it wasn't emotional seeing another dog. But I went from walks in the country and went, yeah, Jack loved this bit. Yeah. Jerk, you know, that then it was emotional. Like uh, the very first time I went to this <laughs> log cabin, it, you have to understand, Jerk is a city dog right yeah I take her to the country for the first time in her life and it was like every smell was brand new and she was like oh my god I've just been given crack it's amazing <laughs> and I let her off the lead which is totally normal yeah f- for, you know she was like whatever three years old and she just bolted and I stood there watching her thinking I'm never going to see her again oh my god. she just bolted off it was such an adrenaline rush yeah like she leapt over a river and I was like <laughs> Bye. She was just literally, like you said, she'd yeah. taken her first bit of crack. She ran with deer, and I'm not kidding you. At one point during that three, four-day trip, she ran with deer. And, it, I mean, my heart just swelled yeah. like 15 times. Like, I think this might be the most perfect moment of my life. Beautiful. That's, I'm so glad she had that holiday. Yeah. They had managed to keep it from the kids. Wow. Um, I mean, because with the time difference and stuff this is now by the time I got home it was mid-afternoon so they'd managed to they'd had um, a, a rock climbing day booked with them right. and little cousins and oh, stuff god. so they had managed to so they were waiting for you to get back yeah. you see oh my yeah. god that's so wise I think because you it was I think I mean there. because I I was so glad it was me that got to tell them yeah. dad and that's not, you know what I mean but no that of course is the word. of course you um, just want you don't want them to you they knew mummy was in help. hospital because yeah. they'd seen her taken away and yeah. they knew she was in hospital so I, I took them out to the garden because I wanted to be out in nature when I told them I didn't want to be sitting in the house. Yeah. I wanted to be sat in the garden. So I took them out in the garden and sat down and said, right. Um, and this is, this is the hardest thing I've oh, ever had to do in my God, life. Can you, you know, imagine. I mean, Ben was only seven at the time. Lily was just 10. Yeah, she was just 10 and he was seven and a bit. And I said, okay, so you know, mummy got taken into hospital last night. Um, she was really, really poorly, you know, like, yeah. And I said, well, the doctors worked ever so hard to try and make her better and stuff, but 
I'm afraid it got a lot worse and they couldn't help her and mummy's died. And I actually had to, from the date, from the first moment, I thought, I'm going to use the D word. Good, yeah. I'm not going to say, mummy's sleeping, mummy's gone to heaven, yeah. all that bullshit. I said, no, and, and mummy's died, you know. I may, I may fall apart in a minute. In this no, bit. of course. Anyway. I mean, I'm on the edge. Go for it. This is the place to do it. <laughs> and um, uh, there was that moment of silence. And then it was literally like the sound of wounded animals. You know, that, that primal, mm. primal sound. And we just sort of held each other tight. And had a nice little cry for a few minutes and stuff. And then, and then, and then they did that incredible kid thing. It was like they're crying, they're crying, they're crying, they're crying. I want to go back inside now. What's for tea? You know, and you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Um, yeah, we All do right. have to eat, I guess. Yeah. Um, and and that was the pattern that then set now for the for the next few months in a way. And and you know, obviously, the, yeah, for the first few nights they didn't want to be anywhere except in my bed. Yeah. You know, with me, which was fine except for the fact that it was like sleeping with uh, a sort of an insane starfish and the duvet thief yeah. I mean it was like between the two of them I was either getting kicked in the nuts or freezing cold because she'd got all the duvet uh, and and I, I moved into my mum's bedroom after my dad died right. for about I think I was there for about eight months yeah and both of us can't remember when I did it I was yeah. just there and then <laughs> one day we'd been clearing out the shed and there'd been a lot of mice in the shed and I'd got really freaked out. <laughs> and she'd been like, oh, don't be stupid. You know, it's fine. Anyway, we'd gone to bed and I'd obviously had a lot of nightmares about the mice. Yeah. And I spent the night like, going, like, like trying to brush mice off me. And I woke <laughs> up in the morning and she was sat there with a cup of tea looking at me. She went, if you do one more night like that, <laughs> you're going back in your room. And she still calls it like Night of the Mice. She was like, you bloody moving and twitching. Oh. I couldn't sleep. And oh. I think she tried several times to be like, Karen, like, you know, wake up. You obviously, and I just didn't wake up. No, no. So I, I yeah. Well, I had. I think I had about pain. a week solid of both of them in there. At the yeah. end of which, I was like, guys, this is this yeah. is so hard. I, it's not a giant bed. It's only a normal double. It's no. not. It's not a king size. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're going to have to start going back in your own own rooms, guys. Do you want us to do it in shifts? Take it in turns to start yeah. with. So they did. They took it in turns to Aww. sleep in with me. So it wasn't quite that. It was, it was either getting kicked or having the duvet <laughs> stolen rather than both. You should know what you're. Oh, okay, tonight is this. Yeah, tonight, tonight I wear a I wear a cricket box. You yeah, know, it was that sort of thing. Um, but <laughs> and then and then eventually it was like okay you okay time to go back to your own rooms, guys. And there's only we're only talking you know two or three weeks I think wow. before they were back in there. But I said listen, it's the bed is here. Yeah. If you wake up and you need me just come in yeah. uh, um, you know and that you know <laughs> that goes on for as long as you want as long as you like just don't bring the boyfriend away <laughs> you know, when you get old enough or you know it's literally like you know I am all, the bed is always there if you need it um, and actually in, in, I think the last six months I've, I've managed to be flying solo which is kind of nice so yeah. they've they've settled into being okay handy, with it and I guess it. for your mental health as well to have sleep oh my god yeah yeah. and I have slept like a log yeah. ever since I've had no bad dreams about wow. it I've had no you know sleep has been Although not a lot of it, because I'm a I'm a bit of a lark and an owl. I'm one of these people yeah. that just doesn't sleep much anyway. Yeah. Um, even less since this, I think I've done that thing of going to bed really late. Mm. You're sitting there watching telly. Oh, just one more program. One more program. One more glass of whiskey. Me, my, like know. after my dad died, I remember one time it was like one in the morning, and all the lights were on, and me and my mum were like chatting. We had some music on. I was like, "What this?" And I had this memory of like, "It didn't used to be like this, no. but you, it's like the rules are off." The whole rule, everything, all the rules have changed, off, haven't they? It? I mean, yeah. that's the thing, and it's the same with with daily life. All the rules changed yeah. for instantly. Your life became a different life. 
Do you believe in sort of ghosts and stuff? Do you do you believe in any? Do because you, you're so not sure. Hard. I'm not sure. Because well, I, I yeah, because I would say that generally I'm a skeptic. Yeah, I'm a bit yeah. But um, I had a sort of an, a, a weird moment only maybe like three four months ago. Well, I was in bed um, asleep. Uh, my girlfriend was staying over. She was asleep as well. And um, I was having this dream. So I know it was before anyone was like, mm, it was a dream. Um, so I was having this... Uh, the listeners to this podcast aren't those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, don't worry. Uh, so I was having this dream where I was trying to get to Nan. And she was in Commercial Road, which is a big shopping road in Portsmouth. She was with her two sisters. And I was like, Nan, Nan, Auntie Glad, Auntie Bet. They couldn't hear me. And I was kept trying to get to them. And I was being held back. Wow. And that, but they were like, you know... 10 feet ahead of me, yeah, 20 feet ahead yeah. of me. So I, and so I woke, I sort of like was wriggling in my sleep. And then, you know, you have that moment between sleep and awake. Yeah, yeah. I heard my nan's voice and I, th- it sounded like it was in my room saying, we've got to go, we've scared her. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. And then I just like woke both up right and I was like, are you here? And then nothing. Wow. That's a good one. <laughs> like yeah, I was like, oh my god. Do you know what? I've always been scared of ghosts, and yeah. I've been less because I stay in like, like I've just been back from tour in Australia, yeah. and I was staying in like some weird ass motels. Yeah, and um, and I've always been really scared of yeah murderers, ghosts, murdering ghosts. Sure, all three, all three, totally with you. Yeah, and all of a sudden I was like, ah, oh, there is one. Nana probably sort of asked one. <laughs> None. Of course she will. Keep an eye on. I've had this similar thing that I was in my own in the house once. It can't have been that long after he died. And something, I can't remember what happened, but I remember saying, look, if it's you, it's scary. So it needs to stop. And it stopped. And then I, cause I remember thinking, I'm too much for scaredy cat. Yeah. So, like, I can't deal with it. Yeah, totally. I remember saying to Nan yeah. when Grampy died, I was like, I feel like Gramps, I feel, no, no, I said, I feel like someone's in my room. Yeah. I feel like there's always someone in my room. And I had this really big wardrobe that, like, what, that all my toys were in. It oh, was yeah, just yeah. like, you know, it wasn't a wardrobe, it was a cupboard. Oh, yeah. And all my toys were in there. And um, my dad used to always put this scary mask in there as a joke. Not and funny. Uh, not funny, funny, not funny. I'm he really was scared for you. Uh, absolutely awful. <laughs> Oh, my dad owned a um, fancy dress shop when I was a kid. I'm scared already. <laughs> so it was a, it was like a fancy dress head of a oh of a drunk. And oh god! It was awful, uh, but very fun fancy dress shop. Um, but um, so I was like always scared, always scared of every everything yeah, you could think yeah. of. I was scared of, and um, I said to Nan once, I was like. Oh, I really feel like I'm being watched in my room. I hate sleeping in there. Like we keep getting when I was keep going up in the night and again getting in with mum and dad being like there's someone in my room someone in my room none of that it's just cramps that's not in my room not <laughs> it's still scary but I think that's really good what you said because you're alright now Nana's watching Nana's watching Nana's you're gonna right. sort it out hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. That was stand-up comedian Susie Ruffle talking about her nan and how she sort of paid her a visit. I think that's the best ghost one we've had actually on the show. That was, that was, it's still goosebumpy. In this next last bunch of clips, you're going to hear, first of all, the brilliant comedian Ishan Akbar. Ishan came on to talk to me about his mum who died. And um, this is a very funny story he told about literally having to lay her to rest at her funeral. After that, you're going to hear comedian Bobby Mayer. Bobby is a, yeah, I mean, they're all brilliant. I'm saying that about everybody, but yeah, Bobby is incredible. Uh, Bobby suffers from borderline personality disorder. And he's talking here very honestly about how that affected him and how he deals with things, especially after he'd found out his biological mother had died. And he found out in a really bizarre way. Again, I would recommend listening to the whole episode. After that, you're going to hear musician and broadcaster Animatronic from the Scissor Sisters giving us um, a very light-hearted way of uh, dealing with how you feel shit sometimes. Anna came in to talk to me about her dad, who died of AIDS, which, again, if you haven't listened to, I'd recommend. And finally, again, it was hugely requested on Twitter, the episode we did with Ashling B, stand-up comedian Ashling B. Ashling is an incredible human. Um, her father took his own life when... Ashling was a very, very small child. And this is just a clip um, that Ashling really passionately talked about trying to help people who are feeling at the absolute rock bottom. And so I wanted to end on that, just in case anyone listening out there today is is feeling shit. This is from Ashling to you from us. So this was my first experience of a funeral. Really? My, oh, yeah. My, wow, yeah. that's oh, bless yeah. you. My first Christmas of a funeral, and um, it was when I reflect back on it, the organisation of the funeral and everything happening. My dad, bless him, he um, and I, I guess we'll talk about this in a minute. You, you, when you have such a dominating figure as my mother was, right? You kind of forget how great the other person is in that relationship. Yeah, uh, and my dad has since. And at the time showed tremendous strength in the way he's dealt with everything. But mm. in terms of organising the funeral, people rallied round and she's buried about a seven minute drive from my house. Wow. And it it was frenetic, but it seemed calm. Mm. Um frenetic in, in the pace at which things were happening, but calm in the way in way the way in which they were happening. Yeah. So it's my first experience of a funeral and um we announced it on the Saturday morning. 
I remember I, I set up kind of a, a WordPress tribute page to my mum, announced it on there, announced it on Facebook, and uh, something useful Facebook did that day. Um, <laughs> and um, we had about 575 people turn up. Oh, my goodness. Uh, wow. they, ran, they ran out of space in the mosque that's in, inside um, the, the, the cemetery. Wow. People were praying basically in the car park. Um, oh, my God. And it was the most amazing day. Yeah. Uh, actually, I like it was my second. It was my second funeral actually because my, the first funeral I kind of wiped from my mind was of my mum's best friend's son who oh. passed away the year before at age twenty two, and that was a horrible experience. Yeah. It was not because he was twenty two. It was it was in the East London Mosque, and they had like eight funerals in the same time. Wow. All the bodies were in a viewing gallery. It was frenetic. People who didn't know the deceased were looking at the bodies. It was just, and now I just remembered it now that I'm talking about yeah. it. And in a sense, I was going into the funeral thinking, I hope it's not going to be like that. And it yeah. just wasn't. It was on a Sunday. We were the only people there. Well, I say only people, 500 people. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, you know, I'm not really a practicing Muslim anymore. Right. Um, and I was just following the lead of people who knew better than I did yeah. as, to, as to what's required. I think a lot of our generation you go and you're yeah. like what am I supposed to do, do <laughs> like what's happening yeah and I gave it you know from from the, the the what my parents did teach me what little I did know I said prayers uh, mm. Arabic prayers Muslim prayers as best as I knew them and all of a sudden my brother and I were beckoned to climb down into mum's grave yeah you said so yeah. I yeah so you have to climb into the grave yeah 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 so the way it works wow. in Islam is you are literally put to rest, laid to rest yeah. by, in the case of a woman, someone they're unable to marry. Okay. Um, and in this case, obviously, it's her children. Yeah. It's her sons. Uh, and it's only men that can, can go through this process. So my brother and I, who aren't the thinnest boys <laughs> on the planet, um, <laughs> uh, found ourselves climbing down a ladder. Oh, and, my God. Were you like, what? Yeah. And it's weird when I think about it. I had... You know, ninety-eight percent of my anxiety was about me having to bury my mum. Yeah. But two percent of it was, will I fit? Like, <laughs> will we? Will we fit in this? Oh, right? bless you. Um, which is an odd anxiety to have. I mean, that is. But it's these these practical things yeah. occur to you, like, oh, yeah. It's like we've talked about with the Mac twins when when. I and the Mac twins both had the same. They're like, "Oh my god, what am I going to wear?" Yeah, yeah, like these things. I'm going, I don't have anything nice that's yeah, black. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I completely understand. That's like, am I going to fit in that? Yeah. Wow. So you're climbing down a ladder into the. So, so you climb down the ladder, and I went to the side where eventually her head and shoulders would be laid to rest, right. and my brother was on the other side. And I kind of looked up, and my mum was in this burial shroud, and we kind of just put our arms out and. I remember carrying her, you know, I could, yeah. I could hold my mum. That's really beautiful. It, it is beautiful. Yeah. And actually, it it brought me closer to God, not necessarily to Islam, but it mm. absolutely brought me closer to God because I couldn't believe that I had the opportunity to not only feel my mum's final resting place, to know what it felt like, you know, under yeah. my bare feet, the sand, it <clears throat> felt like barley it was just yeah. amazing cool soft and it felt right that that's where she'd be yeah and i remember i didn't even have to particularly convince myself that this was um the right thing to happen mm. even though it was a woman who i absolutely loved unconditionally so 
when they gave uh, lowered my mom's body into my my brother's arms, my brother had her legs, I had her head and shoulders. Um, the next thing was to kind of lower her. Yeah. And I'd struggled because <laughs> it is very narrow. Yeah, I was going to say this it, is this is like it's a really beautiful idea, but it's tricky. I'm yeah, thinking it's this very is, tricky. It's tricky to carry out. And so we somehow managed it. Yeah. And you know, my forehead had the other side of her grave completely implanted over the wow. top of her. Uh, and what you have to do in Islam is once you've laid them, their faces are turned to to face Mecca. Right. On their, on the right hand side. So you, you kind of lay to rest on your right. But my fear is, is that not only is my mum facing Mecca, but she's also facing an imprint of my buttocks. <laughs> uh, and that is something that haunts me. And I think to myself, I, I really hope my mum is not looking at my ass. <laughs> that is not something I wanted to happen. As a mum, to be honest, she probably wouldn't mind, honestly. Yeah, probably wouldn't mind, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, that's something you've seen all her whole life. Yeah, yeah. That's been part of her world. I know. That's kind of lovely. I, I, maybe. I don't. She's probably looking just past the bum yeah, to Mecca. Okay, right. So okay. just, we'll, yeah. We'll ignore that. that yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember, because I climbed back out, and when I took my the the, the, the tunic off that I that I wore, it was the unmistakable imprint <laughs> on the back. <laughs> you kind of think to yourself, "Oh, I can't believe I've done this." But okay, well, it's too, you can't you can't go back in. I just need to smooth over. Can you smooth over that bit, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but in a way, I think that's really nice because there is a part of you that's down there with her. There's a part yeah. of your memory. Your print is there. Yeah. There's something, even though, of course, it's your bum. You're a comedian. Yeah. yeah of course. Of course. Of course. What there's else something would it be? really nice about that. Of like, uh, it is absolutely. But at the same time, it. You know, I am a a London-born yeah. British Asian guy yeah. who had a very Asian upbringing and also a very English upbringing. And actually, th- this going through this experience was something I just never imagined I'd be doing. Yeah, and I d- honestly I didn't know how it worked. I just got angry, and I was yeah. just angry at everyone. And then I started to get angry. <laughs> at strangers which leads to yelling at people in shops which leads to the police coming and being like uh you know is it like i was just yelling at people in shops and just shops. close friends just shops. You know, not always just shops sometimes on trains yeah i say trains are normally more i wouldn't put my i remember this is before but the the, the, the pieces were there for it to happen anyways but the day after we got married me so we, we had our big wedding which was for the show and and our and our friends and family, but me and Harry just got married alone at Chelsea Town Hall. Oh, nice! It was very sweet. Uh, <laughs> and then the next day, I went to a store to get change, and I gave a lady five pounds, and I said, uh, "Here's five. I need five. Can I get five pound coins?" And she said, "No." And I said, "Why not? I think you have it. Can I just?" She said, "No." I said, "Please. I just need the five pounds." She said, "No." And then I said, "Give me the money." And then I just started screaming, and then the police came. <laughs> Sorry. I know, it's funny. You know, it's a funny story. And the, but the thing is, I was right, but then I was very wrong by yelling at the woman. <laughs> if you're listening, lady, I yelled at. I'm very sorry. I'd like to buy you flowers or whatever I could do to make it okay. And then... Um, I'm laughing as well because I... No, it's a funny... I but mean, also, I was really angry after my dad died. Like, and my family weren't. So my brother and my mom did not... It didn't manifest his anger. It was complete. But I was like a ball of rage. <laughs> so I'm laughing because like there's so many times I wanted to do that. And I think my, I don't know, my Englishness or something. And I was 15. I was too scared. But I would get so 
like like it's like fire, isn't it? It's like oh, you yeah. just see the fire. Heat in your chest. You feel the heat in your chest. And your, your face handshake, is hot. yeah. And you just think, you're I shaking. mean, I could crush a brick. Like yeah. I can, and you. It is a powerful feeling, and I think that's what I liked about it because grief is so you feel so out of control and so shit, and then the anger feels like, oh, this is, I this is something I can do. I can be angry, whereas the crying just felt to me like. Well, what does that do? It didn't feel like an option. For well, then me. I feel vulnerable. I hate that yeah. feeling. Ugh, when you're sad, sadness is awful because you just feel <laughs> open and vulnerable. Like people could hurt you, and you feel weak. I mean, it's all not real. You should be able to be sad, obviously. And if you if you feel sadness, you should be able to express it and cry in a river or whatever you do. But I just, my, I can feel sad for a while, and then I'm. I've very, I'm working on it, but very quickly it'll just turn to anger. Yeah. yeah that's but, my go-to emotion because I'm very uncomfortable with all the rest. I've only been in therapy for, as I say, about a year. Oh, yeah. And that's what I didn't know. She just, I very recently learned this about myself, that I don't like being vulnerable. Because I was like, no, I just, I'm just an angry person. I'm just go to anger. And then my, my therapist was like, it's because you're vulnerable. And that really... That really shook me because I was like, oh, that's what I'm avoiding. I didn't know that's what I was avoiding. I mean, even this podcast, I, the reason I'm laughing and like, yeah. I don't want to be vulnerable. It's so uncomfortable. It's and <laughs> well, that's, but don't you think, I think that's quite a comedian thing. Of course. Of like there's pain and I don't want to be vulnerable. And, and when someone dies and it's out of control, it hurts so much. And I think that's the thing again, if you're angry, actually you come across as very strong, but actually you're actually more I know it's very it's actually, not at all you're actually so afraid of getting hurt again terrified well, people are terrified so much to be hurt like when you're when you're angry your 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 shoulders go up yeah. you know I, I heard this I think it's a it's a Pete Holmes joke he's an American stand-up who's very funny and he but he talks about your shoulders going up when you're angry and that's because you're afraid predators are going to attack your neck <laughs> sorry it's not put water over myself right. at the same but time. But he's afraid predators. So you're afraid. That's why yeah. your shoulders go up because you, you're protecting your oh, neck from yeah. predators. It's just your fight or flight response, you know. And I was oh, in I fight can't. for six months, <laughs> ready to fight, just ready to fight. Oh my god! But there was no danger in front of me. <laughs> but then that's the, the other thing I read about grief and anger is that the danger's passed. So it's like your body. The danger is like someone took someone you love, mm. but your body is like, but I'm ready to. I'm here, ready to fight, but it's gone. The moment's yeah, there gone. Is, <laughs> there's so no you're fight just left. like left with this use. It's like you said, it's so useless because you're you're ready to fight and be angry, but there's nothing to physically do with yeah. that so yeah it's it's really hard how did so how did you deal with it how did you get through this period of grief what happened what was the I got a really good therapist so you had a new one from yes my old one was Nathan was a nice man <laughs> but he was I he just it didn't work for me yeah I always said you have to shop around I just learned how I got I got this therapy called dialectical behavioral therapy oh. which if you ever if you have a I have borderline personality disorder, which is just inability to regulate your emotions. Right. It's hard to explain other than I just Google it. If you if you're if you're someone who constantly your friends don't pick up because you cry a lot or yell a lot, you're probably <laughs> just go look into borderline. Yeah. It's a very underdiagnosed disease, but uh, so I fig I fi- I figured out that's what was wrong, which I'd been diagnosed with when I was like twenty. Wow. But then all these therapists said you don't have that because it's like they didn't have a treat. They didn't think it's treatable, but oh. it totally is. Um, so I went to DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, and within a few months, I was back to relative normal. And now I'm better than ever. I can show you one of the things that actually really helps, and it's not crying. What's that? You want to know? <laughs> yes. Okay, I have to move away from the mic because it might be really loud. But going like this, <laughs> but really hard, <laughs> really helps. So like... <gasps> 
Like that really, really helps. And it's not crying. And I'm going to do it. Okay. Like as hard as you can. Okay, okay. I'm trying harder. And then you got like some, you know, vibration going on in I your mouth. I just liked how much lips. of a fart it sounded like. Yeah. I thought that was sounded like a really good, that sounded like a great fart impression. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. So I was like, wow, that's a really good fart impression. That does feel better. Yeah. It's kind of like a, yeah, yeah it's kind of like getting it out. It's not laughing and it's definitely yes. not crying and there's a little bit of an aggression release. Yeah, so <laughs> therapy is, I don't know what those oh, are called, raspberry good. therapy? Yeah, ras- well, that's your next book. <laughs> raspberry therapy. Animatronic raspberry therapy with robots. <laughs> I think that's really good. What is that? It's just something, I just think it's the same, like I sometimes just like, I sometimes just need to scream fuck into oh, yeah, a yeah. pillow. That's- and it's like, when I get cross when people say like, oh, don't swear. I'm like, no, 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 it's it's what gets me through the day. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And that feels as good as telling something to fuck off. Yeah, yeah, no, and sometimes you just want to scream fuck and yeah. you can't, but you can't until, <laughs> until you're blue in the face and no one will get really get offended. They'll be like, oh, well, that's a very funny thing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and it is kind of like, you know, it is kind of like saying fuck this. It yeah. Is, there's an emotional sort of release. But it comes it. back to this, like, like we were talking about, about this, you know, this community and government. And this is the thing that grief, like, there's no control over grief. Yeah. And so you do feel sometimes backed into a corner of like, well, what can I do with all this sadness? Yeah. And you can just tell it to fuck off and do a raspberry. That's quite nice. Because mm. it's like, I don't know, you sort of feel like... Yeah, it's that shrug of the shoulders, and it's like that's it. It's life, but it's not. Yeah. But it's not everything. It's not. I think sometimes when you have a lot of grief, you can feel like that's all you can see. Yeah, and it's that good reminder of like, no, there isn't. There's other stuff. Yeah, but it just it overwhelms you because it's so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Is is the darkness is overwhelming, yeah. and you do have to consciously light candles yeah in order to to stave it off because it it does have the power to overtake you yeah definitely and it's it's uh it's sad that in a world of so much beauty it's the darkness that really really sticks with you i heard something the other day on a, a podcast i was listening to and it was saying like that with memories and sadness like it's it's you can't remember being happy as well as you can remember being sad. That's so, it's so true because, and I think because there's a real physical feeling of sadness that, and that sort of heavy in the chest, empty feeling that you don't really get from happiness. There isn't sort of a physical equivalent. Sort of there is. Yeah, well, it's just saying it's so fleeting. It was like mm -hmm. happiness, you feel it physically, but it doesn't last in your Mm -hmm. system. And obviously it's so like, you know primeval isn't it it's like there's a reason if you're sad your body needs to tell you and protect you to survive if you're happy great your body doesn't need to do anything brilliant carry on being happy we don't need to remember it yeah (laughs) yeah move on now we need to find more things to eat and kill Um, like but it's it's important to remember that it is just that it's just a feeling like the Mm -hmm. happiness is just a feeling the sadness is just a feeling it's like (laughs) the edinburgh festival's on at the moment and Mm. all comedians have this saying of like ignore the good reviews ignore the bad ones like it, nothing of these things matter, and I, I sort of relate that to life. Of like, yeah, you know, it. By all means, acknowledge it. Yes, that's nice. That's horrible, but then don't you try not to linger too much mm. on these things because, like you said, it's overwhelming. And like, it's funny, isn't it? Like literally lighting candles. Why is that such a comforting thing to do? Because it reminds you mm-hmm. that there is, you know, there there will be light again in mm-hmm. this overwhelming feeling of sadness. So many people 
are afraid to talk to anyone because they think someone will get upset. Mm. But if you don't get upset, living in a state of almost upset, if you don't talk to your wife because you think telling her that you are down and don't feel like living anymore is upsetting and will upset her, you will live in a state of upsetness, which is like living with your shoulders up around your ears at stress and you will get sicker and more unwell. If you get upset, then you can start to work to get better. If you never get upset or upset someone, you, you're, you're, you're going to stay in that paralysis and that numb state for a, a very long time and it will catch up with you in the end. And that is for women as well. And I'm, I'm only being gender specific here because of all the messages I've gotten through because I think this happens a lot with wives and husbands in particular. Allow a space where your husband can get upset and where if they tell you that they don't want to live or they're really struggling, that is not a comment on your worth as a wife or a girlfriend or a partner. That is not a comment on how much they think of your children or the value of their family. It's just that something inside's broken and needs fixing. And that's the one thing I'd... That our mental health services are not going to get any better anytime mm. soon. Um, there is no magic money tree, no. as Theresa May would say, <laughs> to fix the system to get no. therapy in that. It's not coming. And that's where we all have to do the, the harder work is not with a stranger in a room that we've paid £100, a bit like a prostitute to sort of sit <laughs> and have sex with us for an hour. The harder is fixing the problems in your own bedroom. Mm. And... Don't get a prostitute in for that. Either. Don't get in... <laughs> though I have to say, apparently that's what a lot of the men are doing is having a chat. Um, <laughs> that is where the work as a society to deal with mental health problems and the stigma around it and change has to has to start because and it has to start from a place of you deciding that you are worth fixing because or being helped as well just being helped yeah just but there's a, so someone there's a lot you. of chat say for example there's there's two sides to it I suppose one is starting this now in young boys and young girls and that's where like I was saying before getting vegetables into kids before they get sick yeah, yeah. it's the same thing with emotional language and talking therapy and teaching them how to emote yeah. my emotional language has like come on so much in a year but three years ago I was not a I had no English words to tell you a friend yeah. in front of another friend yeah. what had happened I didn't have the words or the English to get mm. it out of my neck to you I I can I sometimes can feel it lit, close up and the mm. words won't come out the other thing is then if you're in a place where you're really low being like we need to talk more about mental health or it's like you have a broken leg people wouldn't judge if you have a broken leg that you're in such a place that you don't want to pick up the phone or ring you know you don't want to ring your friends you ring yeah. your friend normally once they're really the crux of the sadness mm. has passed yeah, you yeah. rarely actually ring someone crying and screaming going I want to die mm. people don't do that enough so in that moment where you feel on your own and alone in that moment if just it's almost like where what what is and I don't think I don't know if I have the answers at all but a little bit of help might be what is the in case of emergency break this glass which is something my friend was talking about. He lost a friend to suicide recently. Um, in that moment, if you can hopefully go and make yourself a cup of tea and hopefully wait that 15 minutes for a cup of tea and if you can find not happiness but hope, not that you're going to win the lottery tomorrow, but just hope that tomorrow might be a little bit better or that you might get out of bed a bit earlier, or that you won't have a sense of failure tomorrow, or that if you go to bed early and tomorrow might be a little bit better. 
if if that's what you can hold on to then that's they're the sort of skills and things we need to start talking about mm. slowly but surely what we we know the number to ring if there's a f- fire we know as ladies yeah. if you um if you're getting attacked shout fire because no one will come and save you <laughs> if you shout rape we know all the little things to do in certain situations but what about when our when our souls run out of juice when we don't want to go on anymore we don't as a society know our own in case of emergency break glass mm. and i think those are things we should start to do before it gets to that point You've been listening to Now That's What I Call Griefcast Part 2. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. Not everybody does. Much appreciated. Um, You have been listening to clips from, she says searching her notes, the Sophie Black episode, Robert Popper, Deborah Francis White, Michael Legg, Gary Andrews, Susie Ruffle, Ishan Akbar, Bobby Mayer, Animatronic and Ashton B., all of those episodes are available on the ACAST website or wherever you get your podcasts from. So just search their names and you can hear the full episodes. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast and you can email thegriefcast at gmail.com. If you've got this far, you're a true fan. Thank you from the bottom and the top of my heart and my soul and my brain and my head for listening and making this show a thing thank you for emailing me thank you for helping people on the twitter when they've needed advice and as i said we are taking a break for january just to try and rest really and get my head together um i'm fine don't worry i know some of you have been um very sweetly concerned about me but i'm i'm all good i just definitely could do with break um thank you for listening i hope that new year is okay for all of you as well because i know that can be a tough time and i just want to say remember you are not alone What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.